Okay, I too want to greet each one in the name of Christ, our Lord and Savior. Um, it's been good to be here. Um, many thoughts have been shared and um, wholesome thoughts, uh, thoughts that help us to draw near to God, to uh, understand what he desires of us, and and so forth. And so, um, may our lives uh, reflect that and, and uh, bring honor and praise to God. <clears throat> so, I have um, based the beginning of this sermon of Titus 2 um, or a, a portion of Titus 2, maybe. Um, Paul wrote to Titus, um, Titus being um, the first bishop uh, to the church of the Cretans, uh, the Cretans being the inhabitants of the island of Crete, um, which is, I think, just off the coast of Greece. Um, Yes, so <clears throat> um, he instructed Titus how to conduct himself as he leads the congregation. Um, he addressed the 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 older men, the young men, the older uh, ladies, the wives, and the younger women, but then he he also uh, gave instructions for the servants, and so we can all um, relate to the thing of of being a servant. Um, so in in uh, chapter 2 of Titus, verse 9, he's, he says to Titus, Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. So that speaks to all of us regardless of our social status. You know, um, we need to or we want to be obedient to our master, um, being the, a servant of God. Uh, we want to be obedient to our master. We want to please him. We don't want to argue with God or rebel. Um, and that was touched on in Sunday school. You know, there's times when that wants to rise within us. 
So it just uh, stood out to me, I guess, um, in in thinking of ourselves as servants and and thinking on these these instructions here. And then he says that they may adorn the doctrine of God. And, and that's kind of what I focused on, adorning the doctrine of God. Um, so if we think of adorning, and I don't know, just going to the dictionary and make sure that we understand that or whatever, um, it... Adorning speaks of to make something pleasing, uh, more attractive, or more impressive. So, how how can mankind make the things of God more impressive or more attractive? Um, it, I don't know how to answer that exactly other than just simply the the things that we do um our our setting actions to our faith is what is seen of men and it 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 puts action or color or however you want to state that to the actual word of God. Um, and then doctrine is that which is taught or teachings collectively. So um, our, our submission, our commitment to following the word of God actually adorns the doctrine of it. Um, and then the next few verses, 11 to 14, um, tell us why that we should ordain the doctrine, the doctrine of God. It says, for, and to me that is uh, an indication of, of this is why. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Um, so, um, we want to uh, adorn the doctrine of God um, by, by following these things, you know, the, um, by denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, uh, by living soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. Um, so, the, I guess the reason for doing this is to adorn the doctrine of God. 
So, what does the doctrine of God look like? Um, the, the first thing that came to my mind, I guess, was um, the Ten Commandments, you know, giving us a, a pretty broad and, and still um, oh, all-inclusive, I would want to say, uh, instructions for our, our conduct here on earth. Um, and then we know that, that Jesus added um, a new commandment, that you love one another. So all of that is doctrine. But then, <clears throat> um, if, if we look at 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17, it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Okay, so, because that all scripture is given by the inspiration of God, that in itself uh, shows us that all scripture is, is God's thing, okay? So all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the entire word of God is the doctrine of God. So anything, any instruction that we find here, any, uh, any patterns, any commandments, uh, all of that is the doctrine of God. So there's no way that that can all be expounded in, in one sermon. And so that was not my goal as far as that goes, but just to um, just to re review some of that, I guess. Um, um, just to consider certain aspects of the doctrine of God and to evaluate the the adornment we are participating in. Um, No, no specific subject here, really. I just um, kind of followed verses that um, that spoke of of doctrine, and and that will uh, that will become apparent as we go. But um, <clears throat> so let's start in Mark. Chapter 12, um, verses 38, 39, and 40. Um, <clears throat> this is Jesus speaking. And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing and love salutation in marketplaces, and the chief love salutations in marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at the feasts 
which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Make long prayers. These shall receive greater, damna greater damnation. Okay, so this clearly tells us that that what Jesus said here is a part of his his doctrine. Okay, so how are we um, adorning his his doctrine? Um, you know, he was he was warning against. Um, self-gratification or maybe self-exaltation um, so you know those are things that we too are um, you know within our flesh dwells that that same carnal drive or desire uh, to be seen of people to uh, to revel in being recognized um, to to want to be foremost um, and you know and it varies from person to person we're not all the same but those are uh, those are things common to man so how are we doing with those things? Um, we see here that the the doctrine here is that to to engage in in these in this selfishness is is more of a um, a degrad I can say the word degradation, a, a degrading of the doctrine rather than an adorning of the doctrine. Um, this, the uh, commentary here contains some, some interesting information, statements, and one especially that really stood out to me uh, so the commentary for verses 38 to 40 says, Jesus warned against trying to make a good impression. Okay. And we can clearly understand that. True followers of Christ are not distinguished by showy spirituality. Um, and that is saying a lot in just a few simple words. You know, the true followers of Christ are not out to show the world how spiritual they are, um, but simply serving in, in uh, meekness, in humbleness of mind, and, and just simply letting the love of God flow through us, reaching other people. Reading the Bible, praying in public, or following church rituals can be phony if the motive for doing them is to be noticed or honored. Let your actions be consistent with your beliefs. Live for Christ even when no one is looking. 
Okay, in Mark 4, the parable of the sower, um, <clears throat> there's like four, in the parable, there were four ground conditions. And I don't know, I, um, my visual of, of that incident, and I know it, it, was, it was just a parable, but um, I say just a parable in the sense that it was not anything that, that someone physically saw at the time. But we can, we can take that word picture and um, visualize a man walking through, through his field sowing seed and it was it was broadcast um, quite clearly um, what method of of uh, broadcaster he used um, we don't know it could have simply been his hand um, I would imagine possibly what I know as a horn um, it really doesn't matter the, the seed was broadcast. Some of it fell uh, by the wayside, it says. And the road then was probably not like our road is. I'm sure it wasn't. But that's the mental picture I have. Some of the seed fell in that little rocky strip just off the pavement. Some of it fell... Um, on on rocky ground, you know, a lot of rock, but not much soil. Um, and then some of it was thrown into the into the briar patches, and then most of the seed was sown on on the good soil. Okay, so the. Um, <clears throat> Just a little, to share a little thought that that Mom shared with me coming out of the ladies' retreat the past few days is that uh, uh, even though someone may not be ready to to receive uh, anything, we never know. Um, sowing seed is is still um, we never know what difference that sowing of the seed might make even if we perceive that the person is not ready to receive it Okay, so <clears throat> the disciples could not really understand this parable, uh, and they asked Jesus about it, and so he explained it to them, and uh, So the, the seed that fell alongside the road, um, 
Okay, the the parable is that the, the birds came and devoured that seed. Okay, and, and you can imagine um, if, you, if you think of um, these clouds of blackbirds we see, that happens mostly in the fall, but just come in and, and just, you know, eat that seed immediately. Um, and, and that is depicting um, when the word is sown, Satan comes immediately and, and snatches it away. You know, the, the seed does, does not even have time to, um, to take hold, to, to sprout. So Satan has destroyed it immediately. Um, and then the rocky ground, um, there's a little soil there, enough for the seed to sprout, but then the sun comes out and that soil uh, quickly dries out and, and there's no moisture to sustain the life of the plant. Okay, that is depicting the, the person who, um, who receives the word and um, he finds joy in that, but then when life uh, brings affliction or persecution, then they are immediately offended and and turn away and and lose that joy. And then, of course, the, the seed that fell among the thorns, um, the, those thorns flourished and choked out the planted crop. Um, and this seems like the greatest danger for us um, because that is depicting those that hear the word but do not grow in faith because the cares of this world the deceitfulness of riches and lust of other things choke out the word and it, and it becomes unfruitful. Um, we need to guard against that because we are uh, surrounded, uh, encircled with the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches um, and lust of other things. You know, we, we need to guard against that and and so to to uh, live um, in the world but not of the world not letting the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of richness the deceitfulness of riches take hold on us um, that is adorning the doctrine of God um, it is it is making it more impressive um, if we can refrain from from letting the the things of this world destroy us. And then, of course, we have the fourth soil type or the first um, quality of life: um, the seed falling on the good ground, which sprang up, yielded fruit. Okay, so that is that is where we want to be, where we want to stay. Uh, hearing the word, receiving it, and then letting it bring forth fruit 
some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold um, We're just not all the same. Um, we can all strive for 100-fold. However, we do not want to um, be comparing ourselves with others and deciding that, oh, he's just bearing 30-fold, but I'm bearing 100-fold, because boom, there goes <coughs> some of your fruit already. Um, God is the judge, and all we need to do is is to serve in love, to respond to his doctrine, and to um, to allow him to to lead us with his spirit. Okay, then the next portion I have is taken from Acts 17. Um, okay, so um, I started with, with Titus <coughs> being um, the first bishop on the island of Crete, or for the church on the island of Crete. Okay, now this is the the background of this is is Paul being at Athens, which was is just the mainland Greece, where Crete is the island um, just south of Greece. So um, The, the background of this, um, there, well, in verse 16 of chapter 17 in Acts. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, um, them being Silas and Timothy, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Then certain philosophers, the Epicureans and the Stoics, encountered him. And some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is? For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Um, I looked into this, um, the Epicureans and the Areopagus, and I found it quite interesting. I don't know, maybe I should not take time to elaborate on that. I'll try to keep that short, but the, the Epicureans were um, 
a, a people f following a philosopher by the name of Epicurus. Um, and what I found okay so his philosophies did not mesh with what Paul was teaching and um, I'll just read what I found here the conditions for the rise of the of Epicureanism and Stoicism were political and social rather than intellectual. Speculative thought had reached its zenith in the great, in the great constructive ideals of Plato and the encyclopedic system of Aristotle. Criticisms of these would necessarily drive men back upon, upon themselves to probe deeper into the meaning of experience as Kant did in later times. But the conditions were not propitious to, to pure speculation. I can't follow all that, but um, it becomes clearer here. The breaking up of the Greek city-states and the loss of Greek independence had filled men's minds with a sense of insecurity. The institutions, laws, and customs of society which had hitherto sheltered the individual, now gave way, and men demanded from philosophy a haven of rest for their homeless and weary souls. Philosophy, therefore, became a theory of conduct and an art of living. Epicurus deprecated the pursuit of knowledge for its own sake, by saying he... he belittled it. He kind of talked it down, the pursuit of knowledge, whether as philosophy or science, and directed his inquiries to two practical questions. What is the aim of life and how to attain it? Um, Okay, so the the mentality those people had, um, the aim and the end of life for every man is his own happiness, and happiness is primarily defined as pleasure. Now this is, this, what I'm about to read is taken from a letter this Epicurus wrote. He said, wherefore, we call pleasure, we call pleasure, the Alpha and Omega of a blessed life. Pleasure is our first and kindred good. It is the starting point of every choice and of every aversion, and to it we come back inasmuch as we make feeling the rule by which to judge every good thing. So <clears throat> his, his mindset, and that of his followers was to um, that that everything should be um, should be pleasant or pleasurable. Um, so 
that is a people that that Paul ran into there at Athens. And they, okay, so Areopagus, it's a little bit unclear what this actually is referring to. It could be a place which was an outcropping of rock. Um, and the, they met at that place. Before Paul's time, they they met at Areopagus um, for uh, for counsel uh, as far as the, the government goes, and that took place for a a period of time long enough that that Areopagus also came to mean the, the judicial body of Athens. So it's a little unclear. Uh, is this referring to the place or that judicial body? Um, nevertheless, they took Paul there and and questioned him and um, Paul just preached to them there and so back to the the doctrine um, if we look at Starting in verse 24, um, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made one blood all hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord if haply they might feel after him and find him though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also your own poets have said for we are also his offspring. So, <clears throat> we could go on, you know, there's, there's more, but how are we doing with, um, in acknowledging that, that uh, God has made all things, um, and that he gives us life and breath and all things. Um, do we acknowledge that first of all within ourselves, but then, but then also publicly? Um, do we acknowledge and confess that? Um, he hath made one blood, he hath made of one blood 
all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. So, how about that? Um, do we do we feel superior to to black people or the Chinese or the Indians or how are we doing with that? Um, they are made of the same blood we are, according to God created Adam and and all men have descended from there. So we're all of the same blood. We don't have we don't have uh, anything outside of Christ Jesus that any other person has. Um, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Um, I, I like that thought, you know, that he is not far from us. We, does our life reflect that? Um, Hebrews 13, the first nine verses. Let brotherly love continue. This is, is rich in instruction. Uh, so how are we doing? Let brotherly love continue. Do we love one another the, as Jesus commanded and, and gave the, the new commandment that we do love one another? Verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which have not profited them that have occupied therein. So, <clears throat> you can think on these things. Um, um, verse 6 so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper I will not fear what man shall do unto me you know, um, as we live that um, it will show and it 
that brings adornment to the doctrine of God. It allows people to to see the doctrine of God. Um, and then um, verse 9, the ending of it, for it is, or the center part of it, I guess, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace and not with meats. And to me, that is just simply saying that it is good that for our heart to to uh, be established in, in the grace of God and not depending on the, the physical things in life, be it, uh, well, my mind just goes to Job, you know, and all the things that he lost. You know, he had, he had camels and sheep and asses and, and a family and he lost it all. Okay, so, but, but he was, he was, um, he was strengthened by God's grace, not by those things which he uh, ended up losing. It is time for me to close. Um, So if we think of adornment, um, I had a thought early this morning about about adornment, and it had to do with a gem. And but I lost that thought. I so I'm not I'm not able to express what I had actually thought of, but. Um, think of can we think of ourselves as as a child of God um, as um, how does that scripture go that we are um, that we are kings and priests um, think that's the word it uses um, so if if we think of ourselves as as God's children and um, and I don't say this to to try to exalt ourselves or uh, to to take pride in ourselves at all. It's just that can we recognize that that uh, we are precious in the sight of God. He loves us and and we are dear to him. And to to help us um, bear in mind that image, can we think of ourselves as as kings and priests, as princes and princesses, uh, the the children of the king, wearing a crown, and and our 
or adorning the doctrine of God being as setting gems in these crowns. Okay, so in closing, I would like to share from Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 21 to 24. Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. This is adorning the doctrine of God. Abstain from all appearance of evil, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Okay, I will leave it at that, and we'll open for testimony. Any correction you might have on things that I said, or share your thoughts.